Film productions are often on the receiving end of major setbacks, from financial pressures and studio meddling to life-threatening accidents and injuries on set. During the process of making a movie, sometimes shit just happens. In the case of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, a lot of shit happened. A global pandemic and the tragic passing of the film's leading star, Chadwick Boseman, put this film on its heels. But somehow, the team banded together and managed to once again capture the spirit of a culture, but also the human spirit. So today, as part two of our Black Panther two-parter, we're asking the question, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, a show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Hey, Seth, how's it going today? I'm all right, man. A little frazzled. A little frazzled, but yeah, pretty yeah. good. You know, uh, I'm starting up a, a show this week. That's or right. I thought, or I thought I was. And then uh, they bait and switched me and just, like moved my schedule around. Oh. So... Quit. Now I'm kind of, you know, I had, I had made plans, and so now I'm mm-hmm. uh, having to change those. But it's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, and baby, here yes. we go. That's the flow, baby. That's the yeah. flow of our, our lives here. Yeah. Um, I apologize. My voice sounds a little strange to people, strange than usual. Uh, I'm getting over a little cold that I had this weekend. Uh, like Sunday, I was like feeling not very good at all. Felt better on Monday and felt better on Tuesday, but it did kind of uh, take its toll on the old voice, especially because I was working a lot of those days and I do a lot of shouting and singing um, for my job. So the voice is a little tired today. I don't know if you can tell. The children um, stole it. They did. The children are stealing my life force. <laughs> um, so yeah, my voice is a little tired today. So I apologize if it sounds maybe like a little raspy here and there. Um, my apologies. Um, also, my birthday was on Monday, and that was yeah. Oh God. Happy birthday! Thank you. I I don't really like to talk about my birthday very much. Um, uh, like it's like my birthday is res- is reserved for me and for people like in my very like central central circle of my in your, life in your blossom circle. Yeah, in my little central circle. Exactly. Yeah. Anybody else outside that, I don't really care uh, if they know. Um, yeah, I, I could be talking to somebody on my birthday and not even and not mention it for a second, and yeah, I, that's fine with me. Um, but my manager at my job like loves to tell everybody these types of things, so it's like she, she's going around like telling all of our customers that it's my that my birthday was coming up and that that you know she announced it during my classes that it was my birthday and like they, they had uh, the classes saying happy birthday. It made me super duper uncomfortable. Did you get any tips? I, I actually I did. Um one of them was excessive. So um I've been working with this one uh family um since the we reopened after the pandemic. Uh they came back and he he uh he joined us and he's been has particularly taken a liking to me. And so he's been with us for a year, but then mom had another baby in that time and now that baby's six months and that baby loves me. So this family just really, really likes me. Yeah. Um, and then another fr- good friend of theirs that they've made where I work, also their son really likes me. So they uh, joined together and they gave me a gift. Uh, a gift. I can actually show it. Yeah, right here. 
It's this big giant box here. What is that? Blackbird? So it's a general store, but basically in here, there's like these two pre-made cookie mixes. Okay. Uh, a a little cloth that says, no one, no one tells you how many chocolate chips to put in your cookies. You feel that shit with your heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and some really nice wooden mixing spoons and measuring spoons. Oh, cool. Um, and this, like, even just the box is really nice. I could keep this box for it's, a it's like a baking kit kind of. Yeah. But not only that, they also gave me a, a card and inside the card, $200 cash. Dude, that's, that's dope. $200 cash. Sometimes it's nice to work for celebrities, you know? When I, when I, I opened it, I waited till they left. Cause like, I don't like to like open people's gifts in, in front of them. Uh, when they, le- I was overwhelmed. That was That's awesome. way like, I, again, I, as far as my love languages go, gift getting is not one of them. <laughs> I like, yeah. like, sure. Like who doesn't like to get like presents and gifts? It's nice to get gifts when it's like expected you know like yeah. your gift from your family for your birthday that's okay but even then i'm like i don't really want them to get me that much um having a this this was completely unnecessary and excessive um and it was oh it, it was overwhelming i felt very uncomfortable and up and and uh overwhelmed by it um which is something that i need to process and like yeah analyze a little bit but that's like, good that's why good. it made me so uncomfortable um, it's good to have those feelings, though. Sometimes, yeah. yeah so I, I was dealing with that this week too. Of like, did you did you buy some magic cards with your I'm, money? I'm going to. That's exactly okay. what I'm going to do with it. I'm gonna nice. I'm gonna treat myself to something. Yeah, with my cash. Yeah, because um, I don't do that very often. So, good, um, man. but yeah. Good. So that's how my week's been going. It's a good week, but like lots of different things going on. So, but. That's not what we're here to talk about as much as you all, I know, love this little preamble that we do (laughs) (laughs) before we talk about the movies. Today, we're talking about Black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, So we did Black Panther last week, uh, and then we're kind of following up with Black Panther Wakanda forever as like a little two-parter here. Seth, uh, you picked Black Panther Wakanda forever. Um, Do you want to explain your thought process behind why you chose it? Sure. Uh, So, you know, we we did... um, you can actually hear it on the uh, Triangle of Sadness podcast as uh, as Ricky is saying uh, his his intention of doing a Marvel movie or doing a, 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 mm. a movie coming up. And I'm like, in my gut, I feel, uh, yeah, we got to go see that. But he was referring to the first one. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I agree that we should do the first one. But I think this movie is significant enough in the social zeitgeist that uh, it we needed to do it. Like it just seemed correct, uh, and and I'm glad we did. Um, for me, it was a nice check in to the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. but it's not. I'm not sold. Uh, I'm not. I'm not full on the bandwagon. I would say post, but uh, it was a nice little like okay, good to come back here. Good to come back here. So, so would you say? Did you, so? What were your general thoughts about the movie then? In that, in that case, I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a good movie, a, a good, a pretty good Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff that you know, the stuff that they really, they did a good job with the Chadwick Chadwick Boseman stuff, um, which is 
what brought this movie to another level for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like, you know, I feel like I'm still on the same ride uh, mm-hmm. in most other regard to the Marvel franchise. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's cool to see the new, ca- like kind of the new class coming up. Um, you know, cool to see uh, so many people of color, like getting to do these roles. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I can only watch so many action sequences. I can only watch so many people in CGI suits doing things with laser beams, you know? Mm. So it's, you know, I, I loved all the like grounded reality stuff, like mm-hmm. the stuff that took place, like at the funeral, the stuff that, you know, uh, you know, who blew me away in this movie was the, the queen. Like she was Angela Bassett. Yeah, she was Ramunda. She was awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then at the very end, I mean, it was beautiful. And then uh, getting to meet uh, Prince T'Challa, you know, that was cool. Spoiler alert! Hey, hey, everybody knows. <laughs> guys, go home, guys. Go home. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, go home. That's true. You should not be listening to this podcast <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie yet. That's a fair point. You should not. But. Spoiler alert! Yeah, it's that was a, a really beautiful moment. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I agree with you on a lot of these points. I think because I I'm I'm pretty I'm all the way up to date on the MCU. I've watched every everything they've had out so far. Um, what I liked about this movie is, with the exception of maybe two characters, um, this movie's super self-contained. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is, there was not it. a whole lot of little cameo drops and 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 references to too many other things going on in the MCU, which I think some of these other movies have a, a problem of, and some of these other shows just like and this is going on and this is going on, this is going. This movie felt so self contained. Honestly, if it did not exist in the MCU, I think it would function perfectly fine. Yeah, because um, it is not super tied to anything. Um, that is happening currently, which I think is good a good thing for this movie. A good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's reverent to itself, you know? That's like what I was needs, gonna say. This film has such a it feels like a reverence for the characters, not for the MCU, for the yeah. characters that they are portraying and for the world that they are portraying, not for the 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 MCU corporate machine. Yeah. Uh, which some of these other films feel like they are super I don't know. You could just feel like the the corporate puppetry going on yeah. in a lot of these other ones. This one, does, you don't feel that quite as much. No. If if, uh, if at all. And I'm a sucker for like a I, – I will say this. Having Ironheart in the film was cool. Oh, really? I didn't know you were a fan of Ironheart. Uh, I'm not like a, a huge fan, but I know who Ironheart is. Mm-hmm. And like, you know – Whenever it's they're like describing this scientist being a nineteen year old girl at a college, I was like, Ironheart. I was like, mm-hmm. I, like that is probably like in my like in my corpus of mm-hmm. of uh, uh, comic book knowledge or whatever. Ironheart's like the last page. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> so like, so it's like the last page of like what I know about comic books is Ironheart. So. I mean, after that, I'm just completely, I have been checked out. 
Mm. So it's like, oh, I like it was cool to know, mm -hmm. you know, it was cool to know what was coming. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't care about the anything like the uh, the purple haired lady, mm -hmm. uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus's character, and like what she's doing, you know. Well, she's been popping up in a lot of these little shows and things like that. I don't yeah. know if you've been noticing, but because um, I don't know how, how which ones you've missed and which ones you've seen. Um, but she's popping up. She seems like she's forming her own little team. You know, she's contacted uh, Florence Pugh, uh, which is uh, Natasha, uh, Black Widow's sister. Um, she's contacted the the reject of the, the Captain America, uh, the guy who what they it replaced Captain America, but then they, they let go. Of yeah, yeah. Uh, she contacted him. So she seems like she's forming her own little like team thing. So it sounds like a kind of a reboot of the, what you call it? The suicide squad. Something like that. Um, yeah. She, yeah. I think she, she has a team in the comics. I can't remember what they're called, but like, um, but yeah, she's like doing her own little team up thing. But anyway, so I agree with you that I think for me, the, the, the actual story is was so good and powerful and explored so many things that the action scenes were fun. Like the Boston action scene was really cool. I thought like with the car, you know, that I thought that was yeah. fun. Um, obviously like the, the fun mechanic, like me being a D and D nerd, I like, I like watching like different mechanics of battles and things like that it can be yeah. fun. Like the different techniques that the, uh, that the, uh, uh, used, uh, Net Namor and his and his uh, um, people used were I think were super interesting and fun. Yeah, um, no, that honestly, like one of my favorite things about the film was the way that they used like lore from the past. Yeah, to justify what the Teloka. How do you, what is their names? The, uh, gosh, uh, it's 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 old like Mesoamerican, so it's kind of yeah, hard to say. Yeah. I want to say uh, Tenochtitlan. Yeah, Tenochtitlan, the blue guys. Uh, Telokan. 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 The Telokan's use of like, uh, like this, the like sirens call, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that's where that comes from, you know? Yeah. Uh, the well, fact yeah. that. I'm a huge like monster in mythology, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So I love that shit. Yeah, and like uh, Namor mm -hmm. having winged feet, like Ares, mm -hmm. you know, like little stuff like that. I thought was really cool. I thought I thought all the water shit was awesome. Yeah, like, it's like like hold my beer, Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like and like just the whales, you know, like oh, them riding so on the whales. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I dug. I, like I'm terrified of these water people. Oh, like, they're horror. They're, they're scary. They're horrifying. They're powerful yeah. and scary. Yeah. Well, because well, the thing of it is, like, if you think about this, so like Black Panther gets his powers from the heart shaped herb, right? Yeah. All these people. Yeah. All these people. Yeah. Are infused with the heart shaped herb. Yeah. Or, or at I, least uh, uh, their own version of it. Yeah. So they're iteration. all as strong as Black Panther, basically. Yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. It's crazy. They're, I, they're very powerful. I will say there were a lot of plot holes in this movie. Like significant plot holes that just didn't make sense to me. Like what? Uh, I mean, just let her – I mean, I know that 
it's uh, Ironheart, so we can't kill her, mm-hmm. right? Because she has a whole story arc. Mm-hmm. But logically, just let her, let him kill her. Like it just <laughs> the amount, the, the, like the amount of work to save this girl doesn't make sense in a, like a, a like a diplomatic logical fashion. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it was just like, oh uh, no, you can't kill her. She's smart. <laughs> like, like that's the justification. I would call that a plot hole. I would call that more of a leap in logic. It's a leap yeah. in logic. Uh, another, another. I would say, I would say, it's a pretty big plot hole. Is the hole that is put in Shuri at the end of the movie, and they just don't, they just don't address it. Like they're just like. They're just like, yeah, he he wins. The guy wins, stabs a spear through her stomach and leaves her to die. And then she's just like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop him now. And he's and she just rips it out, which would cause you to bleed out. Mm-hmm. Now I understand she has a super suit or whatever, but they didn't acknowledge like they didn't come back. No, to that. that's a, that's true. That's I was gonna say there's two things that like would help her. One is like the little nanites in the suit, like could I think they've shown that like like when um Ross was shot in the first movie they had like the little bead that like filled the you yeah. know like so like they have stuff that can help that and I'm sure the suit does that automatically. Yeah. However, they didn't show that, you're right. And then number two, I know like one of the Black Panther's abilities is the ability to heal, right? Um so we've se- we've seen that with T'Challa in the first movie, you know. Yeah. Um so so maybe her healing factor is. In, in I mean, but again, you're right. They didn't show that. It's a stretch. Like I mean, it's it, like I like I'm fine with it because I'm like I know you're not going to kill another Black Panther, but like I don't know, man. This movie, this movie was like some of it was like not holding punches in a lot of ways. The best part of the movie, in my opinion, is the appearance of Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, that was cool. That, that was, was really cool. Dope. That and was like and dope. like. And like, yeah, like she was reaching out to her ancestors. She thought she was reaching out to her mom, but she got who she actually was yeah. reaching out to, which was, which is Killmonger, which is cool. We're getting yeah. into some theme stuff, but I just want to say I, I thought the movie was really good. I do think the 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 more serious and like the actual story moments were the better moments. The action was fine; it was cool. Um, but they did they had a hard hard task of like how to like yoink T'Challa out of this world and I think they handled it way better than I've seen almost any other film franchise do ever like yeah. it makes me think of uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife the way they did the Harold Ramis thing yeah. it's like I didn't, I didn't see that one oof. They, well they did like a CGI version of him uh, uh, so like a recreation it's, so it's like oof. so they just killed him with COVID in this one <laughs> That's was I think they're somebody's gonna I think they're gonna explore that more of like of like the mystery this of like unknown illness. Yeah, it was COVID. They wanted they they're they're wanting it to be like COVID. Like no, they're they they're they're making it vague so you could extrapolate it was COVID. No, because <laughs> because Letitia Wright's anti-vax, bro. Uh, I mean, no, that'd be a good. <laughs> Oh, by the way, COVID killed King T'Challa. <laughs> I mean, no, that's, that's that's where my brain went to. I was like, it was COVID. No, like, I think it's gonna be. 
I what I think it's going to be. I think they're going to use that to. Um, there's a X Men storyline where there's like a uh, there's a virus that only affects like superpowered people. Yeah, it's really a mutant virus, but they could like extrapolate it to just like people who have superpowers. Yeah, um, they they use the word mutant in this movie. I don't they know did. If this is the second time. So so yeah. they used it once in Ms. Marvel, the the Disney Plus show. Was the first time, and then yep, and then Namor uh, says, "I'm a mutant." So I yeah. mean, that's like going to be more of an introduction into the obviously these. Uh, that will be X-Men probably characters. the next time I check in. X Men. Yeah. What about Deadpool three? Oh uh, yeah, well, Gene Jackman's back. I don't count Deadpool. Deadpool is its own thing. Deadpool is his own thing. It's gonna yeah. be interesting how he plays in the MCU. Yeah. If yeah. honestly, they may just keep him as his own like little pocket thing, and like he just kind of pops in and out, but like doesn't actually like get involved in the mcu just comments on it from outside that could be funny yeah but but so i think they're going to do something with like that he caught some kind of virus that like is going to affect like mutants and things like that. yeah that's my theory but like i said regardless um let's go into a little bit of this film's production uh history with uh how it came to be um it's going to be a little bit different than uh some of our other how it came to be because we did already do the first film this is our first time doing a sequel uh, so I don't have to go into fully the entire history of like yeah. all this stuff, but really it's going to be about this film's production in particular. So of course, once again, this film was uh, directed by Ryan Coogler, who uh, also directed Fruitvale Station, Creed, and Black Panther. Uh, once again, also co-written by Joe uh, Robert Cole, who also wrote Amber Lake, All Day and a Night, Black Panther, and two episodes of The People vs. O.J. Simpson. And again, based on the comic book character created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So after the massive success of the first Black Panther film in 2018, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige was quick to let the public know that the studio had future plans for the character in the MCU with hopes of bringing back the entire team from the first film. Marvel entered negotiations with writer-director Ryan Coogler pretty quickly after the first film exploded onto the scene. But once the... But once a deal was inked, Coogler began to work on writing a sequel in which he planned to bring back the entire principal cast. By early 2020, many of the original cast had either been confirmed or rumored to be returning, including lead actor Chadwick Boseman. However, as we all know, Boseman tragically passed away after a years-long battle with colon cancer, leaving a Black Panther-sized hole in the production but also in the world of the MCU itself. Marvel and the production team were devastated as they were blindsided by Chadwick's passing and questions quickly arose. How would Black Panther's sequel move forward without Bozeman's T'Challa? Coogler had already turned in a draft of the film that heavily featured King T'Challa, which now had to be completely reworked. Both Marvel and Coogler made statements saying that they would not recast the role of T'Challa or do any CGI recreations of the character. So Coogler was left to figure out how to handle the situation in the story. The film's release date would end up being pushed back as the production navigated through this difficult situation. In early 2021, Coogler was still working on his rewrite of the film, and eventually production did begin in July. However, more struggles arose as Letitia Wright, who stars as T'Challa's sister Shuri, sustains an injury while performing stunts from a scene in Boston and had to go home to London to recover. Scenes not including Shuri were completed, but the production once again went on hiatus as Letitia Wright recovered for the next four weeks, and the release date of the film was once again pushed back and delayed to November 2022. 
Despite the U.S.'s new vaccination mandate and Letitia Wright's anti-vax views, the production was able to resume in January of 2022, finally being completed in March. And after four years of development, adversity, and heartbreak, Black Panther Wakanda Forever finally hit theaters in November of 2022, making over $342 million worldwide on its opening weekend, making it the second largest opening of the year. And with a $250 million budget, the film is projected to be yet another massive financial success. And with a Rotten Tomatoes rating hovering around 84%, the critical response has been extremely positive as well. A lot of times we see how characters process grief in films, but in this case, we got to see how people process their grief through a film, which makes it something very special. Wakanda forever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the story of uh, uh, the backstory for Wakanda forever. Yeah, that's a good line, Rick. Thanks, man. Yeah, got me. It got me. Thanks, I appreciate it. I mean, that's one of the things that we we're trying to do, yeah. you know. And and like one of the things that Kugler mentioned in a lot of interviews is like he had turned in a draft that was, of course, super T'Challa centric. Um, having uh, T'Challa deal with the fact that he was blipped for five years and coming back and being king after not being there for five years, and the the political. Uh, challenges of that, but also like obviously the personal challenges of that. Um, so like it was obviously super Chichala centric. Um, yeah. And Kugler said that rewriting that script was one of the hardest challenges he had ever had in his entire life. Not only as a writer, as like the actual like technique and, and uh, you know, restructuring an entire story is, is hard. Sometimes yeah. you just that's a sometimes that's a freaking page one rewrite and that that's tough. Yeah. But also the fact that you know he had all these words that he had written that for Chadwick to, to speak that he never would. Yeah. So it the emotional the emotional turmoil that that brought about was tough. But it was once, tough for the whole cast being on set and trying feeling Chadwick's the both feeling Chadwick's presence but also feeling his lack of presence at the same time what's wild to me is that this is set this is that this is precedent in the comics mm -hmm. right so like of, of course nobody want wanted chadwick boseman to die but like it is already there's a foundation for that within the comics for his sister to take the mantle mm -hmm. so it's like it's really weird that this is how it went down mm -hmm. you know like it's very meta to me, this whole, uh, this whole, this film and it's, and it's backstory and it's, it's foundation in the comics. Cause mm -hmm. like to the fact that this was already, you know, lined up mm -hmm. to be able to happen in the story arc mm -hmm. is trippy to think about, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, like, like like they said, like almost like literally this exact thing happens in the comics. T'Challa yes. dies unexpectedly, and and Shuri has to take up the mantle of Black Panther. Um, and yeah, I mean, it is like life imitating art. You know, we've yeah. we've touched on it before. It is sometimes a sad way that life does that. You know, you know, we write these stories sometimes of hardship and massive trauma. Um, 
And sometimes then life mirrors that and it's yeah. like, you know. Well, and Chadwick Boseman was, from what I gathered, Chadwick Boseman was a stand-up human being. Like mm-hmm. just an all-around like good guy, you know. And I don't know. I mean, some, it's weird. It's like, it's almost like he was his, he was done, you know, mm. which I think is going to get into some theme stuff. So we better flog the log, bro. We, gotta, we better flog the log. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. It's time for us to flog the log. Thank you, studio audience. It's like the price is right. We're here on Flog the Log. Ricky, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great there, Seth. All right. Uh, You have been given Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. Hit me with your log line, please. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've traveled a a long way. So I just want to preface this by saying that this movie is very complicated. And so... And so in order to really capture what this movie is, the log is a little bit longer than, than usual. Not that much longer, but it's a little bit longer. Just to preface. Here we go. <clears throat> in the wake of the devastating loss of King T'Challa, the leaders of Wakanda are left to pick up the pieces of a nation under attack. While also facing down a new threat, long waiting beneath the ocean. Who has the strength to take up the mantle of Black Panther? I give it an 8.8. 8.8. Yeah. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, there's just a lot to unpack in this movie. You know? Like, why, why did you say under attack and before you mentioned? Well, so because I think the... I think because that's a major thematic of the movie, in my opinion, that we'll get into is the idea that the fallout of the first movie, this idea that T'Challa was like, we're going to make our resources available and make ourselves known, known how powerful and how, what was, you know, how wealthy we are to the whole world. And the fallout of that is that they are under attack by the world. People are trying to take advantage of them. And so I th- it's the fallout of his choice, right? And so I think that's important. I I I, I think I, I agree. This this is why it was deduced or de- deducted slightly. Is like gotcha. that that threw me a little bit because uh, uh, it, it I understand. I remember that in the film, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. at the same time it kind of feels redundant within the context of the log line. Yeah, I understand that. And like I said, there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah. And so I definitely struggled to like pin down the most important stuff because it's like, I don't, you Namor is such a big part of the movie. So I can't really leave yeah, him out. Yeah. But so they're, read, read they're it really, one more time. Read they're, really, more time. they're really being attacked from different angles. And that's, yeah. like, that's, I think the whole thing about it. I'll read it. Okay. I'll read it again. In the wake of the devastating loss of King T'Challa, the leaders of Wakanda are left to pick up the pieces of a nation under attack, while also facing down a new threat long waiting beneath the ocean. Who has the strength to pick up the mantle of Black Panther? Maybe uh, maybe instead of 
the threat line. Maybe it's uh, the the by the land reason. and by sea, under uh, attack by land and by sea, or or the the are let the leaders of Wakanda are le- are left to pick up their pieces without their protector. Because okay. because that like evokes that they need protection. Okay, right? and that would also like shorten it too. Yeah, mm, yeah, and then good. and then you can go into all and a new threat. When a new threat, right? So without their protector, when a new threat emerges from beneath the sea. Yeah, yeah. I think Got that it. would okay br- bridge the thoughts. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Seth. I appreciate that. That does bring my average up just a little bit from an 8.02 to an 8.08. So I'll take that. Nice. Pretty good. An 8.8 is not bad. The last my one for Black Panther was a 9. Um, I've been hitting it pretty good lately. My last my last four were 10, 6.759, So with the exception of uh, that damn triangle of sadness. Yeah. I've been hitting it pretty good lately. <laughs> so I'll take it. All right. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for joining yeah. us. Yeah. Log. The log. log. All right. It is time to ask the titular question. And since this was your pick, Seth, you can ask first. Sure. Uh, Ricardo Blade Diaz. Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. What's it about? Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot of themes that people can connect with. I think, I mean, there's there's obviously huge themes of grief, loss, revenge. There's there's generational trauma, like things that we talked about in the Coco. Um, there's geopolitics and like human nature. There's, uh, the, again, the idea that when you have something – People will always want it for themselves. Um, but I think the main theme to me is is this idea of, you know, it's a mad world. And mad being capital M-A-D, which stands for Mutually Assured Destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we respond to threats with violence and re- and anger and more threats it just makes it it just creates a a, a, an environment where two people are going to destroy each other Um, Mm -hmm. and i think that's mirrored in shiri's character in general where shiri feels like she's being almost personally attacked by the universe in a lot of ways that she feels she feels targeted um, by the fact that her brother died from this this illness, um, and she's supposed to be this like super genius, right? That with all the tools and resources in the world, and and she couldn't she couldn't save him. You know why why was she given this gift if not to be able to to do that? Yeah, and so she feels personally singled out by the universe in comparison to like everybody else in T'Challa's life who also loved him like Nakia and, and the queen and, you know, his mom and the Dormelage. Um, 
you know, of course they feel the loss, but like it feels much more personal to her, like personally attacked. Yeah. And so this idea of the way she, she has this line that I think is, is really, really, uh, it really, I think comes after the the movie is, is where she's talking about how, if she stops to think too long about her brother, she says, um, her and her mother are standing around this fire, uh, getting ready to burn the, the funeral robes, which is tradition, uh, for them. Her, she says, if I stop to think about him for too long, it won't just be these clothes I burn. It will be the world. Yeah. Yeah. She blames the universe for this happening. And she, the only way she knows how to process it is through anger. And, and, and we talked about it in the last film, she is the progressive one in this, in this family, right? Yeah. She doesn't even really believe in the ancestors and all this spiritual stuff. She's all about technology and progress and moving things forward. Yeah. And so the only way she knows how to process or honestly run away from her own grief is forward and through things. And if something is in her way, she will go through it or she will burn it down. Yeah. Um, And so on a grand scale, the idea of mutually assured destruction because you can take that to a to a global scale, yeah, a, a macro scale, but even in a micro scale of like, if you're going out looking to destroy, you will also be destroyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. on a on an emotional level, and so that's that's what I think this movie is about. That's where I, and I see myself do these things. And I guess I think it's why I I felt so connected strongly to that this idea amongst a lot of the other themes that are going on in particular, I would love to share that. I, I really love what they did with Namor. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I am, I am of Mesoamerican central American uh, heritage. He's from the Yucatan area, which is like the, the bottom part of Mexico for anybody that doesn't know my family's from Panama. So it's not really the same region, but experienced very similar, yeah. Thing. So I, I obviously I do have some indigenous uh ancestry, uh indigenous Panamanian. Uh we're not sure which, um, um, uh, but you know, have some indigenous uh blood in me. Um and yeah, like the, the Spanish came over and completely like, decimated the entire population. And basically there is not a Central American person, hardly a Central American person today that does not have Spanish lineage at this point. That's yeah. how that's how absolutely devastating the Spanish were to set to Mesoamerica. Yeah. Um, and South America too. Um, and so this movie ta- kind of, and it's so crazy cause I've never had thought about these similarities of Latin America and Africa yeah. in that way of like colonialism and the, the impact and the tr- generational trauma that, colonialism has had on on other cultures and like the comparison between africa and mesoamerica in that way and so i i felt more connected to like that other culture the african-american culture that i and then i had ever in my entire life of like oh wow yeah our history there's some similarities yeah um in the way that we were treated you know because latin americans were enslaved when when spain spain got there and they did take over and they did well, and 
in Murder Mexico, like in Mexico, I mean, it's not highlighted as racism as much, but mm-hmm. there is definitely classism. Mm-hmm. And usually the whiter people are of a higher class. Mm-hmm. So well, that's the, uh, that's something that I think it, it, to get into a little bit of like ethnic politics a little bit here real quick. Yeah. People think that like Hispanic is a race and it, it it's, it's not. Um, so the the classes of race are 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 white, black, and other. Yeah. Like that's the that's the only three. Hispanic or Latino is an ethnicity. Yeah. Um and you're so you're either a white Latino, a white Hispanic, or you're a black Hispanic. <clears throat> the difference being either you're of European descent Latino or you're of African descent Latino. So that's like yeah. Whether your your lineage was slaves brought over from Africa to Central America by by colonials, um, or you're descended from the colonials themselves, um, so you're there is a there is actually a class thing of like between white Latinos and and black Latinos. A lot of times, yeah, yeah, um, but uh. So I really love what they did with, with like I said, with Namor's character <clears throat> in that it show, it just showed me a connection between a, a culture that I had never felt super connected with until until now and until I finally am seeing the similarities. Yeah. And I think that's what the movie is trying to get at is this idea of, sure, we have we have differences, but there is more things that that bring us together than than separate us. Yeah. Like sure there are specific things that separate us but that a lot homage, of that homage where you like where Shuri, Shuri sees the Wakanda people and then she also sees the Telecon people kind of all doing the same things but it's like we are different but we are the same. Mhm. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Um so I thought that was handled really well and it it, it made me very it brought a lot of like Latin American pride to me for 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 a for a while in this film, in that I don't think I've ever seen my like native indigenous Latin American side represented quite as well as in yeah. this film. And Namor's the villain, quote unquote. Yeah, if, you know. And I, but I like what they did with him, you know, because it doesn't. He's not just like mustache twirling evil guy. His from his perspective, he's doing the right thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he. But it's that generational trauma that comes in of like, and the same way that Shuri thinks of like my my people were wronged. Yeah, and so therefore I am only firing back with with anger and violence. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, do you want? So, I think you have circled around my theme glean or my what I think uh, this mm-hmm. movie's about. What's your thing? Pretty, pretty much like you're like on the like periphery of it entirely, but I'm, so, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm giving it a, a rim job. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> uh, I, uh, so for me, if the first movie was about how you wield power, like power and how you wield it, uh, this one, I think is a nice uh, kind of rebuttal or reflection and it's about what you do when you're powerless. Mm. So 
from the very beginning of the film, we see, I mean, first of all, Black Panther is dying. And like, wait a second, Black Panther can die, huh? And then Shuri, the super genius who should, who's been able to save so many people, isn't able to save T'Challa. So her power is taken. I mean, literally, there is no more heart-shaped herb. Mm -hmm. So we can't even access power. So it's like, I think this movie is really trying to to talk about what you do and, and, and what you're talking about with this internal struggle, right? Like, when you feel like you have no power, what is the best course of action? Is it to rage and try to get power or is it to believe in something because like the power was eventually provided but it wasn't really like anything they did it had it came upon its own circumstance you know um like like i said i do think there's some plot holes in this movie. Uh, I, I actually disagree with the fact that it's not anything they did because I think Shuri, as angry as she is at the world, s- recognizes something in Namor, yeah. as a, a, a kinship, that she doesn't just want to like screw this guy over and like attack them and this and that, right? right. She So she reaches out and it's one of the first parts of this movie where someone does that, reaches out and is like, in the spirit almost of her brother in a lot of ways, reaches out and says, let me come see your city. You know, let me, let me come and talk to you and understand you better because we don't want to kill this girl. Yeah. You know, we, cause you know, it's kind of screwed up. She, especially cause they find out that the girl didn't even, wasn't even like, making it for the government she just made it and they took it yeah so like she didn't even make it for them she just made it because she could and she didn't and because she's a kid didn't realize the implications of what she had made and so like even more so i think shuri and uh are like this this girl does not deserve to die for just being for being smart you know the the government our government which it's not painted in a very good light in this movie. Not at all. No. Took advantage of a young girl and stole her, stole her proprietary invention without her permission and put her life in danger. Yeah. And so this girl does not deserve to die for that. It wasn't her choice. It was not her choice. Yeah. It's not like she did it to, to profit off it. She didn't even know they took it. Powerlessness. So, Powerlessness. Right. right. There you go. And so I think it's so – and 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 like I said, like uh, earlier, it's like when you have something, people are gonna try want to try and take it from you. Yeah. Um, and so when they meet her and they learn this situation, even more so, they're like, "We got we got to try and save this girl because she, this is not her fault in any way, shape, or form. She just is like a kid who doesn't realize the implications of how smart she is, and yeah, and how dangerous that can be. You know, you think of like people like the atom bomb and and. You know, how many creations throughout history people are like, I wish I'd never made that because I yeah. didn't realize the implications of it. Um, yeah. That's that's one of these moments. And so 
she's like, let me try and understand you so we can level about this issue. And she goes and she, she, she sees their, their city and their place. And, um, gosh, what was the point I was trying to make? You're saying that you didn't, you were saying that oh, their actions. Oh yeah, okay. So, th- so in her actions, she then learned about their history and how they got became what what who they are, and she immediately makes the connection of like the the weed the seaweed that they consumed with the heart shaped herb in Africa, right? She understands that it's some kind of vibranium infused plant. Yeah, she understands it right away, and then when he gives her the bracelet and says that it's made with that same plant. She's smart enough to put two and two together. You know what I mean? So, like, I, th- I I disagree in that it wasn't any – they didn't do anything. She – I think Shuri – Shuri's actions directly lead to her being able to reclaim this this power that they had lost without her necessarily realizing that that's what she was doing. The movie makes it very clear that Shuri's actions absolutely are what get her to reclaiming this lost this lost power. Um. So I just I just would push back on the fact that to to no to no actions of their own. That's that's all. I I would say uh I see what you're saying, but I disagree that it's her actions. Okay. <laughs> like like I I I the the actions had to unfold on their own. Right? Like she couldn't just figure it out. Like the circumstances had to be correct the external world had to fall into place for her to be able to jump to the, to, to well, I'll, solve I'll, the problem. I, I can, I can concede that it's, it's, it's indirect, but I think that's what makes, I think that's, again, I structurally think that's what a lot of movies do is be, characters are making specific actions that they, and they don't realize the, the, what they're learning along the way. And like the unexpected results of their actions is how is is like how they learn right and so like right it is a result of her actions but even if they weren't directly what she was trying to do so we're getting into a conversation about Mm -hmm. free will right um so it's complicated like i I understand that siri Siri made decisions right like I i understand that she did things but if it were up to her, she would have figured that heart-shaped herb stuff out at the beginning of the movie and saved her brother. So it like it really wasn't up to her at that moment in that moment. I mean it was, but she had no power to be able to do to do mm-hmm. anything about it. Now she made choices throughout the film that she thought were right, which eventually led to the revealing of how to recreate the heart-shaped herb. But it was not the context that she she would have chosen, right? So it is still it, like she obtained power, but not in the way that she desired. Speaking of which, of of this idea of what she gets based, what she chose and what she gets, right? Um, let's let's talk about yeah. one of the big reveals in this in this movie, and we've brought it up already once, but. The when she when Siri, when Shuri does 
resynthesize the heart-shaped herb based on the DNA of this other uh, plant from uh, the Yucatan area um, that the uh, uh, Talakan uh, uh, civilization has. Um, she wakes up in the ancestral plane and she thinks that she's going to see her mother who tragically was killed by Namor um, not too long before that. Um, yeah. And she thinks she's going to see her mother there to guide her. And who she sees instead is Killmonger, uh, Michael B. Jordan, which I think was awesome, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. coolest, coolest. He's so good in that role, too. Because, like, Michael B. Jordan is such a charismatic dude and, like, a likable person in everything he does. But when he plays Killmonger, even though he's kind of just, like, a very volatile person, you can't help but, but fucking like the guy. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. He's so charismatic. Yeah. And and it, it it really drives home this idea of like Shuri has some very similar tendencies to Killmonger. Right? Mm-hmm. This this yeah. revenge lust that Shuri has that Killmonger also had. Um and so it's like of her ancestors, of her, you know, of her lineage, Killmonger is the one She's that's like, guiding her, honestly. Closest. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's really interesting. And so, that's like just a, like that's her response to the world and to grief is like this combative thing. And I, I would yeah. say I'm very much like that. I don't know if you're like that. Um, well, I do. I have an idea. Yeah, I can be. I, say, I do have an idea because I've seen it. Um, but I tend to be. You, me and you have gotten into several fights. I'll get in a fight. I'll argue about almost anything. Um, yeah. And people yeah. get really upset at me about that too. Um, I would say, I would say I can be, I think I have done a lot of work to try to get on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is mm-hmm. cool, but it's mm-hmm. weird too. Um, because just, just like shitty, shitty, uh it's kind of out of your hands in some ways i mean it's it's not it's not as it's not like a process that is it's deliberate in its passiveness it's because you you it's not super tangible because it's a lot of your like internal working you're trying to let go of right letting go is like not an easy thing to do mm-hmm. right like for me it's always been the hardest thing to do is is let mm-hmm. go um which which that's i think like this movie drives home right like with the burning of the uh the funeral garments at the end like like being able to let go to decide that you you are not the one in control that you don't have the power is the is very difficult and and so, like, we're seeing Shuri struggle with this through this whole time, like, wanting the power to fix the problems. Yes. Here's the complexity of this for me, because there's an argument. There's an argument to be made here that that kind of response gets things done. It may not be the healthiest emotionally, 
But if you're trying to accomplish a thing, that drive and that agency can get things done. So, so yes, it, and we see it in this movie. And, I, and then I'll share some personal stuff in my life because I've gone through ebbs and flows of this idea of resp- of response to to a loss of power to 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 failure. So Shuri, in that moment that Namor runs her through with his spear, pins her to that rock, and she she she's lost and she's dying. Who does she see in her head once again? Who does she hear? It's Killmonger again. You know, keep mm-hmm. ke- accomplish the goal. Don't do not fail, right? Do not push through, and it does get her to the point. Of being able to win, essentially. However, she doesn't kill Namor, which I think is an interesting twist of like going back to more of the way that her brother and her mother used to think of things. But yeah. like that drive and that anger and that like fire that Killmonger has and that Shuri has can get stuff done. So like for me, I think of a few times in my life, again, I, I've gone in in ebbs and flows of my way of responding to things in this way. Um, I grew up in a in a small town, and there wasn't a lot of art stuff. So, like you, you basically were you played sports or you did basically you know nothing else. Um, um, so I played a lot of sports growing up. I played. I was a pretty good baseball player, but I also played soccer. I played basketball. I played football. I played volleyball. Um, I played a lot of sports. Um, I wasn't a great basketball player, um, but I liked basketball. I wanted to play, and all my friends were on the basketball team. So I went from a private Catholic uh, junior high to the public high school. So it was the merging of the public high school and a lot of the kids from the private uh, junior high merging into oh, merging into the public high school. So. There were tryouts for the basketball yeah. team with kids who I'd never played with before. All I I grew up with a very, pretty athletically gifted class, like some professional athletes, yeah. college, you know, Division one college ball players type stuff. So I wasn't yeah. a great basketball player, and I got cut my freshman year after tryouts, and that sucked. And I was angry because I just wanted I wanted to play. I wanted to be with my friends. I want I, it sucks to be rejected. And so for the next year, I like devoted like the entire year to going to the to the rec center every day to become a really good because I you know I could I could try and get a faster but you know I could try and lose weight but like I just wasn't ready for that kind of journey but I became a really good shooter I became a pretty good shooter um, yeah so I came back the next year for tryouts and I made the team and I was like the nice. hardest worker on the team I would say. Some people might disagree, but I do think I worked. I busted my ass to get onto that team, and I didn't get a lot of playing time. But I worked really hard all the time. Um, and then uh, I got cut junior year, but I didn't come back the next year. So like, there was the fi- after the first failure, the rejection, the fire came in. I busted my ass. I worked really hard. Let that fire burn for a whole year. Made the team, and then once I accomplished the thing, didn't quite have the results that I wanted. I didn't get to play that much. So then when I got cut the next year, that same motivation wasn't there. Same thing when I got to college. 
I started doing acting. I didn't get cast in anything my my during college until my last semester. But like once again, I had a a professor. I think I don't know if I told this story on Oh no, I did. I told it when we talked about Legally Blonde with Ronnie. I had a professor who knew me as a writer who is my, who is now my acting professor tell me that I should stop acting because he saw me as a writer. And like yeah. Again, that that fire of failure and rejection burned, and so then I moved to Chicago. I take all these classes, uh, improv classes. I, I get, a, I make and help form my own sketch and improv team. Uh, I I work on my craft. I read every play that I can possibly find, and I end up building quite an awesome resume. Uh, like not of like prestigious shows, but just sheer number of shows that I worked on to the point where I got an audition with gray talent agency, like one of the biggest agencies in Chicago. They called me in for an audition, which is like tough. They're they're like the biggest agency in Chicago. They like represent like all the big names there. Um, and I had a great audition and the woman told me if I wasn't, (laughs) I'd already decided to move to LA at this point. Uh, if I hadn't, if I hadn't have been moving to LA, they probably would have signed me. So that was a big old bummer, but yeah, very, very encouraging in that again, this fire of four years of just like, Hey, fuck you attitude. I'm going to, I'm going to do it because you said I can't do it. Got me to a, a place that I wanted to be. Maybe it wasn't healthiest yeah. emotionally speaking. But yields results, if that makes sense. It does. It does. But I don't think the end goal, you didn't get what you wanted at the no. time. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, so this is, this is, this is kind of what I'm talking about here, right? Well, like, right. this is well, power. But I think the, this, is, this idea that I'm, I'm going with here is like, this is a, is it is a response to failure. It's not it's not something that's yes. there without the slight, right? The it's the universe kicking Shuri and saying you're so smart yet yet you failed. And then that because yeah. she didn't have that before this this fire and this anger yeah. of like fuck you I'm coming I'm coming at you full force I'm going super saiyan on you came after. It's it's a response to get you to the next portion of your journey. So I would say that for for Shitty, it is getting her to the point where she has to overcome her own need for power. Right. That's that is that is. I mean, honestly, that's what T'Challa had, right? Like, that is what... Because Shuri is so smart. She's not used to failing, you know? And so in order to be a great leader, like, you have to be okay with failure. Like, you have to realize that you're going well, to... Well, Mbaku has that, that great line of, like, the best... The yeah. best uh, or is it, is it a Leaders. name one that says that? 
Oh yeah, the best the best leaders are broke are broken people, right? Yes, yeah. But like, she's not. I would say she's not Not fully broken. Not until her her mom passes. Yeah, and it's it is it is a real realization that you're you have some power, but in the grand scheme of things, you are powerless. Right. So you can only do the best you can with what you have. Because after that, I mean, you don't have any control. So, so I, yeah, like, I totally agree. So you're right. So Shuri's power comes from her intelligence. You're right. That she, she's always been able to figure out anything that she's ever needed to. She's never failed because she's always just that smart. Right. Um, yeah. T'Challa had power physically because of the heart shaped herb, but. But T'Challa's power came from his emotional power, his emotional strength. Yeah, is what made him special. His his fortitude and his and his will was always so strong. Yeah, and that's what I think she she's she was missing is that emotional fortitude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she had like letting go of power is essentially the most powerful thing you can do in some regards, you know, like to think that you are the one that is in control is foolish in my opinion. Like, uh, for me in my life, you know, like here's how I'm starting to see it unfold for me. I believe I'm going to get the things I desire in my heart, but it's never, it's never ever going to be the way I expect them mm-hmm. to be. Right. Um, it's, it's not in my, uh, the only power I have is to live day to day the best I can and hope for the things I want. I mean, now I can be more deliberate at times. I can see better opportunities and take them. Literally, okay, I said, so this whole gig I just got, I was out with some friends and a couple theater people were there. And I was like, yeah, I would love to do theater again, but I would only do it if it like fell in my lap at this point. No joke, the next day I get a phone call from someone completely random that was not involved in this conversation and is like, can you be here? And I was like, yeah. And I got the gig and it was freaky. Like, and I happened to be all wearing all black, like audition clothes at the time. And it was just like, it was just happened, you know? And there's other, like, there's, I have the antithesis of that in a lot of ways in my life too, you know, like, uh, just like no matter how well I've set myself up to succeed, it just doesn't work. You know, like America's got Dude, talent. You're making, you're making me, I have, a, that, I, think. I, have a, I have a meeting with a potential rep after the, after our podcast today, I'm going to, and this is yeah. the first time I'm meeting somebody and going to give them like writing samples and stuff like that. Like who can actually, who actually That's like cool. represents a lot of comedians and stuff like that. Um, yeah. uh, which is great. But you're like the fact that you're like, man, even the day, the times when I've set myself up the most for success, it, I, I, you know, I feel like, Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think like, and 
like I said, like you just got to do the best you can and you don't really have control over the outcome. And that's where I'm, that's how I'm kind of getting beyond, uh, I think where I used to be is because like, I can start to see, I'm starting to see my life unfold and I'm going, okay, if I look back, things happened that I wanted just not in the way I expected them to, or they, they don't look exactly as I imagined. Like, for example, another example is I just became, I could be, I could join equity this year, right? Like actors equity. I didn't earn it. The world ended and they opened it up. And it's something that I had been working for, for forever. Like it was like the one thing I needed. I was like, Oh, I got to go equity. I got to go equity. I got to go equity. And then I get an email one day that says you can go equity. And it was nothing that I did, you know? And it's like, okay. I mean, I definitely am someone that felt like I had to do it. You know, like I, I'm the kind of person that is like, since I was a kid, just been like, I want to be the one to do the thing. And I feel like the theme of my life thus far is uh, you're going to get to do the things you're going to get to do. And it, it's not really like you, on, you're only in like, it's, it's, it's harmony. You know, it's not, it's not you're playing lead guitar and everyone's watching. It is you're making music in harmony with the universe. What about Ed I Sheeran think. who plays all the instruments and, and loops them together and does his, makes his own band? <laughs> well, he's, he's not an actor, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I get you. I think that that's what this movie does such a good job of exploring and, and kind of like, again, with something that I really connected with is like, I've gone through these ebbs and flows in my life of like this combative, I'm going to super saiyan sonic, sonic charge my way through the world until I get to that point, until I get to the point that someone said I can't get to. But then once I'm there, you're right. It's always like, this isn't exactly the way I thought it was going to be, or it didn't come at the time yeah. I needed it to, or, or I wanted it to. Yeah. And so then I go through a phase you, of like, again, of like you said, like letting just kind of being more free, free flowing and letting the world move around me and taking opportunities when they come. And like you said, the serendipity of that is, is interesting. So there, I yeah. think, and like, so maybe, maybe you're meant to, like I said, maybe, well, like you're saying, maybe you're meant to have that response, but maybe like the end, the end goal of that response is not what you're supposed mm -hmm. to glean from it. Maybe it's right. something bigger, right? Like you were never going to be a professional mm -hmm. basketball player, but it, I mean, do you still, I never to wanted to be a professional basketball player. Basketball player. player. I, I just wanted to play right. with my friends. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is, is that, that that experience put the ability to draw to have that drive in you and to grind and put your head down and you know focus i will say my years like and years of playing sports and and specifically once i got into high school years of being cut from teams prepared me very well for the world of acting and the fact that like you get told no a lot like you get, you get a lot of, you, you go, you try out yeah. quote unquote for a lot of teams and a lot of teams say, no, thank you. So yeah. sports definitely prepared me for that. And, Cause that doesn't even phase me hardly at this point. Yeah. And like a lot of it's luck, 
you know like like if if someone was like i'm thinking about being an actor i would say okay or do, what do you want to do and they're like well i want to do i want to do film and television and i would say okay go to vegas <laughs> go to vegas play the slots <laughs> there's better odds and then once you have money you can buy your way into hollywood <laughs> that's there are better odds. Say. That's sad you know? too. That's true. There are better odds of winning. Yeah, the like, like go get your NBA, make a mi- like millions of dollars, and then you know you can hang out with the right people to get to their to get you the jobs. You know, and I mean that's not totally true. Not totally true. I think it's possible, but at the same time, it if if you are wanting to be a deliberate mover you're going to like, there's going to be luck involved if you're, if you're not a, if you're not a very successful no, that's, person. Yeah, well, and, and that's very true. Um, something else uh, I want to talk about with this movie is that I connected with really personally. Um, Cause this is, this is a rhetoric that like my, is like a creed of my family almost. Um, and it, it's kind of what is like the like engine of this movie is the fallout of T'Challa's decision to share Wakanda's, the reality of Wakanda with the world. This movie is, is, yeah. is, 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 I said to you before you saw the movie, this is, this movie is so, such a de- linear direct line from that movie. Yeah. You know, even five years, even in and, MCU world, more than five years later. Um, and in some ways by sharing Wakanda with the world is relinquishing right. power. And and here's the thing, and that's why I was talking about and one of the things I listed was like human nature in in geopolitics is yeah. the minute somebody because if Wakanda like if Wakanda wanted to do kind of what uh uh Talokan is doing, wants to just show full power and completely be like, this is ours, don't touch they could probably do fine. They could probably protect themselves perfectly well. But the yeah. fact that they're, they, they, and this is like the thing. So like when you're looking off, when you're facing off with an alpha dog, with a, with a, you know, that the alpha wolf, the one thing you're not supposed to do. Well, there's I mean, the things that you're not supposed to do. Don't lower your head. Don't back away. Because that, triggers the the predator response that indicates i'm prey come attack me right and in a way that is ingrained in us too when we see any form of vulnerability or like a, a an opening we're wired to take advantage because we're smart enough to do that yeah wakanda opening up and saying here let us share it to indicated to other leaders of the world Oh, you're opening yourself up to vulnerable to being vulnerable to be taken advantage of. Yeah, and yeah, what's sad is more often than not, people will take advantage of you. And like, and I yeah. like we see that with like this whole like one of the uh, uh, outreach facilities is attacked 
by French troops. All while yeah. this woman, this French, this French dignitary in the UN is like, Wakanda's not doing what they said they would do, and they're being very secretive and this and that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, all while you're sending t- tactical SWAT teams to steal from us. Like, yeah. you know? As soon as you open yourselves up, someone's going to chum and try and take advantage of you. And so, like, my dad, when I was younger, because I was a very sensitive kid growing up. You know, obviously, I was a little chubby. I, I was very influenced by Barney, if that makes sense. I watched a lot of Barney growing up. I was yeah. very much like a I love you, you love me, let's all be friends and family type of, type of kid. Um, yeah. And made me an easy target for people to pick on me. Made me an easy target to be taken advantage yeah. of. And gave me a lot of a lot of heartache growing up in those situations. And my dad would say this thing that his dad would always say to him, and I'm paraphrasing because it it I don't remember the exact words, but basically it's there's always some mofo out there trying to mess up with you. Basically, yeah. there's there's people lurking around every corner prepared to take advantage of you. If you let them. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But that mindset causes you to move through the world. Well, that's that, and that's what – so this movie is – I think a demonstration of this idea of like, look, you have all this power. You have all these resources. You should share them. You should – try and help the world. Like that's like what you should do. Right. But the minute you do that, there's bad yeah. people out there who are going to try and take advantage of you. So there is a balance of, and this tough. And I think this movie demonstrates how hard it is because that's what Talakan's doing too. Talakan has their resources and they're holding yeah. on to them tight because they know the world's going to try and take it from them. Wakanda is the inverse, right? Trying to stay open. But you have to move. I mean, I think, I think, Shirley's decision to not kill him more that, at the end. That's why I think this movie really does a great job of it. It's it's built like like we said in the first movie, build a bridge, not a barrier. Yeah, yeah. It makes like, them both stronger to be allies with each other. Well, yes, but there's no way you know. There's no way that Shirley's not going to know that Namor is going to stand up and mm-hmm. stab her anyway, you know? So there is an element of, and like, even Namor's intentions post are not the best, right? Like, there's potential there for more mm-hmm. conflict, uh, especially with well, the outside world. Exactly. It's, it's, you need to keep yourself open, but also remain... Not diligent is the right word, but you keep yourself. Keep, I would say you have to have. You have to be on your toes. This is this yeah. is faith. You, you you gotta have faith that it's like you have to move forward in a way that is faith that you are moving forward in the right way, right? Because otherwise, that's where fear creeps in, and fear definitely mm-hmm. corrupts. Like paranoia fear is what causes the corruption because you feel like it's your job to look after yourself. And the more paranoid you are, the more diligent you're going to be in doing that. So it's like in order for us, in order for 
us to be connected, those walls and fears have to come down, right? Yes. However, it had the, and, and this is a, something that we think we, we, we always come back to and I think is like obviously a huge part of just life in general is there has to be, there has to be a balance. You can't, you can't just leave yourself open and vulnerable to everything everywhere all, all at once because nature shows us that's how you get, you get offed. You know, you have, you have to, you have uh, to, you have to have both. You can't just, can't, you can't wield vulnerability willy nilly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're right that it's probably not smart to. Well, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's all, it's dangerous. I think there are coping mechanisms and, yeah. and ways of moving through the world in a healthy way of protecting yourself, but also being, o- being open, but vulnerable, I yeah. think is, is different. I think you could, I think your vulnerability mm. is not something that you should just have up and available all the time. It's not, I don't think it's appropriate to have your vulnerability up and available all the time. I think it's healthy to, to have a good relationship I... with your vulnerability and have, Moments where you allow your vulnerability to to be expressed because that is healthy, but I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a good thing to just keep yourself vulnerable all the time because that's I, our brains just can't can't deal with that amount of amount of a pain and again eventually something's going to kill you. I don't know. I, I think the word vulnerability in this context is. Hindering. Okay. What bit. word? What word would um, be better? Uh, but I think they're these. They're connected. So like, uh, like I'm mm-hmm. openness, right? If you leave yourself open, though, you are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it is important to move through the world with openness because if you don't, you're not going to make connect. You're not going to connect with others. I, I totally agree. So this this is if we're going to use the, a metaphor for openness. If a door is ajar, it's open, right? And it is not. Ajar. It's not ajar. It's a door. <laughs> but if a door is ajar, <laughs> technically, either a door is open or it's not, right? A door is open or yeah, it's closed. Yeah. There's, it's yeah. binary. A jar is technically open. The door is open. But mm-hmm. it's safer, right? It's it's the doors open. You're open. You have an openness to the world, but you're not you're not taking the door off the hinges, right? <clears throat> the door yeah. itself needs yeah. to exist. You need to be able to close that door on something that's going to hurt you. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying you should protect yourself. I want that. That's what, to that's be what I'm saying. That's that's yeah. what I think. It's like this balance but, of like the door can be open, but instead of it being off the hinges, open and just being an open an, an opening that doesn't close, you need to have the ability. Uh, but I almost think that to protect. I almost, I almost think that, I almost think that you have to come come at it from a different angle, and like have faith that you will be able to protect yourself when the time comes. Mm. So, like, I, this is 
going to get weird and abstract. And I don't know if, uh, I, we'll see. I don't think Jedi's ever kill anybody. So let's, so let me, let me break that down for you. Okay. Uh, if you're maybe, maybe not a Jedi, but like a Zen Buddhist, right? And you're a Zen Buddhist that practices martial arts. Okay. You have to learn to defend yourself, right? Like, but I don't think that, I think that if a Zen Buddhist or a Jedi, if you will, ends up killing somebody, it is happenstance of the moment, not the choice to kill. I'm not fully up to date on all my Star Wars. I would say yeah. probably because once you right. once you go you out to kill somebody, you kind of become a Sith. Like that's the dark side, right? Exactly. So like the moment you exactly. like go out to kill something and like succeed in doing that, I would say you're no longer on the 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 bright side, the light side. You're on the dark side, so you'd be yeah. a Sith. But yeah. I understand. Yeah. So so if. If you're defending yourself and then they run into your blade, that was the universe working in your favor or in your defense. So I guess, I guess what I mean is to move through the world in a way that is open and I think, I think you have to have, you have to move through that in the, through the world in that way to be able to connect with people. Otherwise you're well, closing so, yourself off. And you're so I think what fear. we can do here then is create a, a division between emotional openness and physical openness. In that you and I, and I we might be talking about this from a position of privilege in this way, Seth. And that, like, we can move through the world and feel and not feel super threatened a lot of the time, especially physically. Where, not well, not I where mean, where growing well, up, you you know what I mean. As an adult, as an adult man, yeah. How often are you walking down the street yeah. feeling like you might be physically attacked? Yeah, R- rarely. So, yeah. Sure, in certain situations, maybe, um, but not quite as frequently yeah. as like some of our female presenting audience members and and, right, and people. Right. And so this idea of like being – like opening yourself up and tr- and like trusting human beings is very dangerous to a lot of people. And so, yeah. and so yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. I think they're just – like I said, there needs to be that balance of like, sure, you can keep yourself open to an in, in general idea to the world of like I – I'm open to this world but I understand that there are people that, that do not have the best intentions for me. And I need to be prepared right. to again, like like we said, defend myself and shut that door and protect myself. But but more and often all, than not, all I'm keeping that is, door more majority of the time, keeping that door door open. Yes, and I'm what I'm arguing is that if you are the kind of person that's gonna have your handle on that door to shut it all the time, it's gonna you're gonna be mm-hmm. alone in a room a lot. I, Exactly. And, and, and that's what I'm And that is I, I mean we and that's something that I struggle with obviously is is I have my handle my hand on the handle all the time. Um and the, I would say my door if you're going to give it a percentage is probably like 
10% open, maybe 20% open on a good day and 80% close. So it's, it's a quick one. Yeah. Right. And, and that is something that I've, I'm starting to work to keep to open that door more often or, and keep it open longer, open wider. But it's it's tough. It is really hard. And so I think this movie is exploring that in this idea. And with Shuri, I think Shuri, this emotional thing happens to her. She shuts she shuts the door. She even said there's that line that I love about like, if I think about my brother for too long, if I open that door to my vulnerability, I will burn the world down. You know, it, yeah. the the fire and the fury that I'm containing inside right now would burn the world. To, to to ashes and yeah throughout the movie she with with iron heart um she learns to open up and you know in the loss of her mother her mother is trying to get her to open that door right um and the whole movie yeah. is is that experience of her reopening up <clears throat> to her loss to her grief to the people that want to connect with her because she's pushing them away she pushes away Okoye she pushes away Nakia she pushes away her mom. Um, you know, she's Mbaku, even when Mbaku tries to give her because I like the, the the relationship they start to develop between Mbaku and, and Shuri. This almost like big he's almost like yeah. a surrogate big brother for her now, which I think is re- a really cool role for yeah. him to take. Uh and great character growth for him. And very natural from from the first movie, that natural character growth from that character. But still being yeah. his brash kind of asshole self. <laughs> um yeah. but her even pushing him away when he tries to give her advice, you know, um, she's closed off and everybody's trying to open up that door and she, she's holding it shut. Um, and then, and the, through the process of talking to another person who, who, you know, Namor, who also has done the same thing, realize she realizes that she has to open up and by her doing so helps him a little bit. But even then, you know, like we said, He's his door's not quite as open as hers, you know. Yeah. He's prepared to yeah to. He's had his door shut for longer, a really much long longer time. than her. Yeah, hundreds of hundreds and, of years, and and built a built a world yeah. inside, you know. So it's gonna be much and, harder for him uh, to come out, right? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I very much connected with the movie, and and culturally, I connected with it philosophically and like my own life experience, I think very human, very human experience in this movie Um, and a great exploration of, of loss and grief and how different people experience it and and respond to it. Um, And then a really nice, like we said earlier as like a spoiler, a nice post credit uplifting moment of there's a lot of world out there and there's a lot of hope that can be had yeah. if you're open to yeah. it, which I thought was really beautiful. Yeah. And, but, but it's there's like, those people lurking in the shadows, the U S government and in Namor yeah. and a lot of other people who are, who are coming for you. And you, you, yeah. you gotta be prepared. Yeah. I, yeah, the the burning of the robes I found really moving, you know, especially like that last, like the actual 
when the beginning of the credits start and like it is close up on the the robes burning you know and like there is like there's a beauty in their destruction you know and like and one of the things that happened with shuri and uh and like killmonger right like when she was angry fire consumed mm -hmm. the room you know we have flashbacks of the uh flashbacks of the heart-shaped mm -hmm. herb burning you know so like i do think that this anger this process of destruction it can't it, it's it's part of the mm -hmm. process you know and it can't but it can't consume you entirely but it has to some of that has to happen i think and because that is how you actually come to the other mm -hmm. side of things and you know what's funny i just realized in, in what you what you just said the the reflection of the first movie in this movie in that Black, so T'Challa and Killmonger. T'Challa's like, let's put down our weapons and solve this another way. And Killmonger could not let go of the fire, could yeah. not let go, and yeah. it cost him his life, right? Whereas, yeah, the same moment happens in this movie with Shuri and Namor. Yeah, she's stabbed, she's stabbed in the same way, yeah, and she says to him, put like. Do you, if you yield, we can, we can go move forward in a different way. We do not have to, one of us, yeah. no one has to die here. Even though a lot of people have already died. Yeah. No, no, neither of us have to die here. So yeah, it's an interesting inflection point of like, it ends up with the opposite result. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Seth, thank you so much for, uh, for talking about Wakanda forever with me. Good choice. I think it was important that yeah, we did it. Yeah. Again, our audience out there, I did get a text from, from one of our super fans who says, you're forcing me to go to the theater twice this month. <laughs> I said, I know I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's awesome that they keep up this much. Yeah. Though. Shout out good. Dakin. <laughs> He'll be hearing this on Friday or Saturday. <laughs> so I'll look at, cool. I keep an eye out for his cool. text. Um, I just got my passport to go to his wedding with my sister. Nice. So excited. Nice. I'm officiating. Oh, Pastor fun. Rick. Yep. It'd be fun. Uh, but anyway, Dakin, shout out to you. So we, we, we will try not to send you to the theaters again for yeah, at I least doubt, for a little while. I doubt there's anything. I, I, I am. I, I will say this. I have been enjoying going back to the movies. I do I like going to the movie theaters. I, I, I just don't want to force anybody who listens. No, no, I agree. But I think it's good that we did this. I agree. Because, because now I'm like, oh, I, the, I love going to the movies. Yeah. You know, like, why haven't I been going to the movies? Because, I mean, the pandemic got me such so out of the rhythm yeah. of going to the movie theater. That's true. So now I'm just like, okay, well, maybe I'm interested in that regal uh, ah, you might get we we'll get one of your subscriptions yeah, back. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Because it's like, because it's like, why not? Yeah, I um, actually had that thought recently too. Because I did suspend mine as well. Um, but now, now I'm like, man, now there's like, especially this time of year when a bunch of like 
really strong movies are coming out, especially like stronger independent films and more like Oscar style films are starting to come out. I want to go see. I want to go see the whale. So bad. I've heard, I've heard amazing things about it. And yeah. obviously national treasure, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, that is the end of our discussion of uh, black Panther Wakanda forever today. Um, Seth, uh, why don't you go ahead and shout yourself out? Wait, what are we doing next? Well, you shout yourself out. Then I'll say, Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at, uh, at the birdie word on Twitter. That's T H E B I R D Y W O R D. And you can find me at Seth Adam Crow on Instagram. I also have a website, sethcrow.com. Uh, that's crow with an E. Um, yeah, that's me. Awesome. You're totally right. I did that in reverse, (laughs) but also because I, I needed to still look for where to stream this. Um, okay. I think that's the only place where you can get it. Um, so, yes, so it's time to talk about what's next. So, what are we going to be watching next? Yes, I did that in, in the wrong order. I apologize. I was doing research. I didn't know what I wanted to watch. Um, but there's apparently this, like, uh, poker movie that's coming out today on Netflix. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I was just like, I don't want to watch that movie. But I was like, but we haven't done a poker movie at all on on yeah. our show and i love poker movies i love poker so i was yeah, like i was like oh too. man okay what what movie do i want to do what movie do i want to do and so i i landed on 2018's molly's game oh uh, i just talked about this movie such a good movie recently. i think not only is this movie like a really great character movie i think there's a lot we saw this movie together we did see this movie together yeah it's, yeah it's phenomenal i love this movie i think it's great yeah um i think there's a lot of really cool social things that we can talk about, but also like personal things we can talk about. Um, and there's some Hollywood perspective that we can give on some stuff too. Yeah. For people that want to know. Toby McGuire. Uh, uh, so yeah. So everybody, we're going to be watching uh 2018's Molly's game. Uh, you can find Molly's game on Netflix. Uh, it's available on Netflix. I'm sure you can find it in some other places too, probably like Apple TV, like the normal streaming places. Uh, but if you have Netflix, you can find it there. Easy peasy. Uh, so yeah, Seth already shouted himself out. <laughs> I'm gonna shout myself out. I'm Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz on Instagram and on TikTok. And you can find this podcast, the What's It About Film Podcast, on Twitter at WeAPodWhat, Instagram at What's It About Podcast, and at on TikTok at What's It About Pod. You can catch our show, the actual podcast, uh, comes out every Friday morning uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts weekly basis we're coming up on our one year anniversary Woo! not too not too far away so uh, How, have we almost done 52 of these uh uh we're in the 40s right now wow bro i know it's crazy that's awesome it's crazy i'll let you know when we hit our 50 okay so thank you everybody for joining us today we will see you again very soon bye adios bye.